And now we're recording. All right, we live. Or not live, but we're recording. Episode 1.1 of the Mike and Hassan show. Yeah, 1.1. First one didn't didn't go how we expected, but uh, we got this one. It was a good practice. It was a good practice. All right, so honestly, I don't know what to talk about. I've been, like, staying out of the news for trying to just enjoy my peace of mind. What about you? Um, yeah, man, I, I haven't been paying too much attention to the news either. Um, just been enjoying sports, man. Sports are back. Sports are back. I don't know how long they'll be back, but they're back. Hey, man, MLB's in jeopardy. Already. That was like, nah, we got it. We out. Already. The first weekend. How did they get it? Did like... Because are they doing a bubble for their players or are they just living their normal life and they just show up to games and practice? So they're not in a bubble like NBA because, you know, like NBA, like they're all in Florida and they're all in like this bubble. But with MLB, it's a little tougher because they each – like it's hard to build a baseball stadium and just like put players there, you know. So they're still playing at their home parks. Are they, are they going home to their wife and kids? Are they still I, don't, I don't think they're going home. No, I don't think they're going home. But the way that they did it was they sectioned it off. So, like, all the West Coast teams play each other. Like, all the teams in the Midwest, they play each other. All the teams on the East Coast, they all play each other. And they, they, they don't play anyone else. So, like, for example, the Dodgers won't play the Yankees. You know, the Dodgers will play the Angels, the Padres, the A's, the Giants. You know, well, I guess what I'm getting at, and I feel like it should be easy. Like, okay, you know, like NBA, they have like the Disney World campus, like they got their own section, hotels, whatever they're gonna do. Is in that's what I'm saying, like MLB, or like, do they go home? Like, like, are they in the stadium 24 7 and they got like dorms or? I, I honestly don't know. I don't. I don't think they're going back home though. They're not. They're not going home. I'm pretty sure they have team hotels that they stay at. I would assume. Okay. And that's where they stay. I feel like, and or I guess facilities. I'm sure. Because I feel like, and it wouldn't be their own stadium, but I feel like they could rent out like a college or a community college, and that way you have dorms, and then you could have food, and then basically you just create your own bubble and just go play baseball. I'm sure they'll be bored when they're not playing baseball, but just yeah. an idea. Yeah. I mean, that's true. That's true. Especially since, you know, they're staying on one coast anyway, you can make the players stay wherever, wherever they go, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that, that would, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just copying the NBA. Um, I don't think we're getting, college football this season yeah no it's not happening i know they're going to try nfl it's not happening nfl's a long shot did you did you see that players are opting out i saw there was a few i didn't see like the whole list but yeah was it a lot um i think like three or four of the chief starters said that they were opting out i think uh marquis goodwin or Godwin, I, I think. About him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, little by little, bro. Because, because think about it. The NFL is what. Real quick, bro. Real quick, bro. What's up? That means there's a roster spot. 
I'm about to try it for the Chargers. Go get you that spot, bro. Hey, bro. You can play. You can play alongside Joey Bosa. I'll be quarterback, running back, linebacker, head coach. It don't matter. Get me on the squad. Thank you. Get you a uh, 300k contract. You know. I'll take that minimum. That's take that's that cute. minimum. I don't know what the minimum is. I just throw a figure out there, but yeah, you can get that minimum. Hey, if the minimum one hundred thousand, uh, I'll take those hits. And you might get Rona. I might, <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it. Hey, it's if, worth. If, if I get Rona, I need a mill. I need at least one <laughs> mill. They can spare one mill for a undrafted free agent. Just one mill, and I'll play during Corona. Yeah, man, crazy, crazy. Yeah, were you about to say that? I cut you off. Um. Yeah, it's like fifty plus players on a football team. And that doesn't even include staff. Yeah. So, like, in total, there can be, like, 150 people on a field at one time. Yeah, just about. And then all the, like, camera crew, and then, you know, they still got to have food and other things around. It's – they would need a super bubble. Bro, it, it, I don't know how they would pull that off. College campus. Man. I imagine this, bro. Every NFL team in at USC, and maybe they find some like high schools for like a practice field here and there. They all got their own dorm, their own this, and let me see. And then you can play the games at USC, the Rose Bowl, the new stadium that the Rams are building. If you even need to, you can use Dodgers Field. So that's like four fields and just they all just play in L.A., all the NFL teams, from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Just an Plausible. idea. We might have to send this to uh, Roger Cordell. I'm giving him game. Plausible. I saw that they were considering letting fans in, too, like at a 25% capacity. I'd go. With, I'd go. with face masks. I'd go. I'd go. Go to a social distance football game. Think about twenty five percent. You gonna have so much space, so much space. That's facts. And the Chargers stadium's already empty, so even more space. I'm in there. They were ahead of the curve. They they saw this coming. Chargers game's been social distancing. They saw this. Coming. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts to say, bro. We fans. We Charger fans. Hey, shout you out, couldn't shout say out that on the airwaves. All four of us. <laughs> Saying that on the airways. <laughs> We're not going to get no fans. No fans of the Mike and Hassan podcast. Bro, we going to have just two Charger fans. That's going to be our whole fan base for this show. Terrible. Hey, bro, we'll get three. I'll get my mom. We'll have three fans. Terrible. You get your mom, we got four fans. We're, that's go, we're starting to go viral with four fans. There we go. There we go. We're on the we're on the come up. <laughs> but let me see. So yeah, football. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if they just for now postpone the season and say we'll pick this up in spring, because spring football is already a thing. And then, say you did like spring football, maybe an eight or nine game season. 
and just, you know, once you best records and then all of a sudden you maybe have like a 16 playoff and just try to wrap up the season real quick. Sounds like a lot of a lot of revenue loss. I don't know if Roger Goodell's gonna be cool with that, bro. That's really not cool. Especially if he's got, especially if he gotta sign us for a mil. Mike, Mike, if you, if you join a football team, what's your position? Water boy. Ball boy. <laughs> even Corona, bro, you can't take a roster spot? I can't even get a roster spot. I'm, a, I'm 140 pounds. Hey, hey, bro, it's going to be some other dudes off the street willing to play during Corona. You could take Aaron Donald's spot, play for the Rams. Plug up the smoked. <laughs> oh, man. I join an NHL team before I do that. Yeah, I think NHL. When does their season start normally? Uh, they're like basketball season normally. Okay, so October ish. Yeah, like October to June. Yeah, I guess that's a smaller sport. So, like basketball, they can probably do a bubble better if they have to. Unless yeah. they get the vaccine soon. Yeah, all the teams are up in Canada, from what I've heard. And they just started a bubble up there where it's safe because they said, nah, y'all Americans are tripping. Y'all Americans don't even want to wear masks. Our country fuck fuck y'all. They done kicked the Blue Jays out. Oh. So, yeah, Canada's serious, bro. Yeah, bro. We're like I, – I forgot the latest statistics, but, like, I think as a country we're handling COVID the worst. I would believe so. So, I don't know, man. Weird times we're in. You know. My oh, man sipping on some, some, uh. Hey, bro, there's some iced tea, bro. Some hey. Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> bro, when you start making lemonade? Bro, I've been making lemonade, man. man. You know, you know, you, that's how, that's, that's every kid's first hustle. You've been having- you get to make a lemonade stand. I've never made a lemonade. I just took it and ran with it. <laughs> this dude had a this dude was a, Mike was a little kid selling alcohol on the street, <laughs> laying it. Hey, bro, I thought this, bro, right now, and I know he probably doesn't have a lot of customers, but there's some hood nigga right now selling like a Corona vaccine on the low. And well, he probably he probably he probably got a few people. What you think is is in it? Man, ain't nothing but no some some uh, ibuprofen probably. Ibuprofen. Some Tylenol, some 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 Nyquil. Use them like some Nyquil painted a different color, and they be like, "Oh damn, this gotta be woozy. This shit hidden." Maybe not now, but maybe when they say like, "Oh, the vaccine's here," there's gonna be people slinging fake vaccine on the low. It's coming. I might have to start stocking up on Nyquil just because I said that. Yeah, you might have just came up with something, bro. Yeah, I'm be like, oh yeah, man. You know, I gotta connect. You know, with the Pentagon, I got these. You know, early access vaccine. I'm supposed to give you this, but for you, my friend, hundred dollars per pill. Gotta take it. Take gotta take five of them. See, that's the that's the salesman in you. Hustler gonna hustle, bro. Gotta take the red pill, or you gotta take the blue pill. Hustler gotta hustle. Hey, bro, I thought about this because I know we did the first. Episode one, we forgot to introduce ourselves on this episode. Very true. So I'll let you kick it off. Introduce yourself to the, the audience. Well, man, you already know. You know, it's Mike. 
aka Stilo626, aka Real Nigga on Arrival, aka The One, aka Hassan's sidekick. Sidekick? Hey, bro, we're being humble, remember? Right. That was the that was the theme yeah, of the real, first real one. Humble or fake humble? We being fake humble. Hey, be fake humble all 2020. Cause we all know that I'm Batman. Damn, you call me Robin? You can be Catwoman. Hey, you. <laughs> Bro, I take your utility belt away. You can't do shit. Uh, I freeze up your bank account. You can't do shit. I, I shit. I don't want to say I'm Superman because he a square. Damn. I'm gonna be the black Green Lantern if that's the case, cause we, uh, you know, we equals, bro. I mean, Green Lantern was black originally, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he got real white bread as the series continued, but I'm gonna be the black Green Lantern. You the black Green Lantern, for sure. Along with that, that dude voice, that, that nigga. For sure. You know, in the animated show, we all seen that one. Facts. Anyways, let me introduce. Yeah, let's let's. Yeah, let's my name's Hassan. You know, Pasadena. You know. You know, I got I got connects in Arizona. You know, I be I've been from state to state, but you know, I'm out here in Pasadena holding it down. My nigga, a real nigga. I'm a real nigga, and I only associate with real niggas. And welcome to Mike and Hassan's podcast. A real nigga podcast. Real nigga podcast. You know, we gonna talk about everything and anything. We coming to you raw. We keeping it real. You know, if you tuning in, just sit back, relax, and you know, let us let us open your mind. You know. That's what we coming at. Facts. We're going to talk around the bullshit. Facts. I see you got your, your wall in the background. Yeah. Last time I just had like the lamp and the AC in the background. I was like, I need to get my aesthetic up. So I, I kind of had to move some furniture. You know, I got the, the posters. You know what I'm saying? If you know oh. music, you know these covers. Facts. Would you say those define you the best? Like, if you had to pick four albums to define you, would, the, would those be the four? I would say that, that might be true. For the cold one, I, don't, I wouldn't say that one define, defines me just because I, I wouldn't say I have, like, the biggest drug thing. But definitely, like, I just, like, love the cover. But probably as an artist, you know, Cole's probably one of my biggest influences. I would definitely say Pimple Butterfly. That's definitely one of a life – I wouldn't say life-changing, but a life – Enhancing album, uh, beautiful dark twisted fantasy, and I'll even give you know Flower Boys props. You know, just being comfortable in your own skin. You know, that's what Tyler was all about. So yeah, I I can definitely say yeah, these these albums. You know, they meant something to me. Well said, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what about you, bro? What's what's your four? Oh, my four. That um, you. Ooh. Um. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you have to pin a butterfly on your wall. I have to definitely say that's uh, one of them. Um, that definitely changed. I don't want to say changed, but, um, like you said, it enhanced, like it gave me a feeling of, of empowerment. You know, I feel like that's a really empowering album. Um, so yeah, that, that one for sure. Um, another one for me is food and liquor by Lupe Fiasco. Okay. Um, just cause of the storytelling on there. I'm, I'm someone who thoroughly enjoys storytelling when it comes to albums and um, I just feel like the way that it was constructed was was beautiful. And he has a lot of concepts on there that I can resonate with. Um, so, yeah, that's another one. Uh, oh, man. I still got two more, huh? Two more. 
Um, I'll probably say uh, Man on the Moon, Kid Cudi. Okay. Um, because I've, I've dealt with depression before. And I've dealt with, you know, internal battles and, you know, uh, nightmares, night terrors, things like that. And for Cuddy to touch on all those subjects and to make it, you know, he, he flipped the negative and made it a positive on that album. Hmm. Um, so I really, I really appreciated that. I feel like that's something I can resonate with, you know, always taking a bad situation and, and making the most of it, you know, because life is going to kick your ass, bro. We, you know. We know right. that now. As, as adults, you know, young adults, you know, we we've had our ass kicked. With that one two, you, you feel me? It'll stomp on you. The man, it gets disrespectful. It'll spit on you. Even with Rona going around, it'll spit on you. Man, but it's all about how you get back up and and fight. So, um, that's definitely one for me too that, that I can yeah. say. Define. By, by the way, I, I appreciate you for sharing that. You know, we, we, we're going to keep this an honest, open podcast and it takes a lot to, you know, share that, bro. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, man, of course. Um, and that came out around a great time too, because that was around the time when I was struggling with a lot of those things. So yeah, definitely resonates. Um, and number four, Ooh, I feel like I got to do a fun album. Um, Number four, number four. Um, I wouldn't say just overall, but as of late, uh, one album that's really defined me is uh, The Wizard, Future. Okay. There's a, there's a lot of a lot of things on there. Hey, Mike, Mike, are you toxic, bro? Tell the people, are you toxic? Look, bro, look, bro. All I'm gonna say is Future. It, it, it resonates, bro. The, the Wizard really resonates. That's the future album right there where I feel like he was saying some real nigga shit. Okay. Now, which part? All of it. What, All what, of it. What, from How did it make you feel? Like, what, what, what were you getting from it? What was the, like, energy and attitude from The Wizard, from Future, that you were feeling? Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with, the, with, with Kid Cudi, you know, because uh, Future talks about a lot of struggles on there, too. But at the same time, he talks about, you know, flexing and having the fastest whip, having the baddest bitches. It's fun. It's fun. It's a fun You know, yeah, it has, you know, jumping on and not the jet, jumping on, you know, like, I, I don't got a jet, but, you know, yeah. if I had one, I would jump on and off of it. Oh, yeah. If I got a jet, I, I'm not going <laughs> to do that part. Like, we on that thing. We on that. So, yeah. Respect, respect. Just because you said that, I'll I'll give you two honorable mention albums, and it was just the same thing. They kind of helped me just get through like a tough time in life. And funny enough, it's Future again, uh, Dirty Sprite Two, and then I'll give you the Game Documentary uh, Two and Two Point Five, mm. which a lot of people slept on. And almost just the same thing. Like I was just kind of like in a down place, and just kind of like the energy they were giving me, you know, be it they're like flexing or whatever, what, it just made me feel good about myself like you know it's just one of those things that like it gives you like an energy of like man i can do anything i'm that nigga i got bitches you know whatever like you just feel good about yourself even though like you know it might be a fantasy or whatever and you know for them it's real for a listener it might be a fantasy but yeah. just you know that lifestyle and just that energy and that like that confidence they they speak you can feel it and i think like at a time when i was going through something it was something i needed yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's that's 
what Future does with a lot of his music. You know, he uh, he flips all the all the tragic shit that happens to him, and he flips it in a you know some fun music, something that that helps us be more confident. Something we could jam in a trunk, or you know what I'm saying, something that bump, whatever, whatever, you know. So yeah, yeah, I appreciate Future for that. All right, for sure, for sure. Let me see. Is that why you like Little Baby? I know you're a big Little Baby fan. I like Little Baby. I like Little Baby. Um, yeah, I would say he he kind of goes along those lines too. I like Little Baby because I just I just I just feel like he he's he's good at rapping. Um, and he does bring a lot of that flexing stuff too. He definitely you know he talks about his chains and his new cars and all that you know and and. I think that's dope. You know, it's 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 a topic that's, you know, it's not a new topic or anything. You know, it's always been a part of hip hop, but it's all about how you say it. And I feel like he he just says things well. Yeah, I would say everything you said too, and like I'll say right now, little baby, he's one of my favorite artists to like to work out to, just because like a lot of his like lyrics, he's talking about grinding. I got something to prove. I did this on my own. And like, you know, when you working out, you working out for a reason, you either like, man, I'm trying to achieve something or what have you. And like, when I, I hear that, it's like, yeah, like I got, I got something to prove, you know what I'm saying? I got to grind, you know, it's, it's out me running or whatever I'm doing, lifting these weights. Ain't no one with me in the gym. It's just me. And just that I feed off that energy. And I guess now that I'm thinking about it as much as people like bash hip hop talking about like cars, money, drugs, hoes whatever like i guess like hip-hop for like especially like a young man and i'm sure you know women can appreciate this too it gives you a sense of confidence like you listen to the lyrics you get the energy like you know you might not even be a thug but like for a moment you feeling hard like it gives you a sense of confidence like okay like i could really go tackle the world because like we just said the world will whoop your ass <laughs> yeah yeah man you know that's just one of the many ways that people can touch people with music, you know. Um, even if it's not our reality, like you said, it's all a fantasy for us at least. Um, it just it just helps us get by, you know. And and I feel like that's that's good enough, bro. That's yeah. good enough. No matter what you're talking about, as long as you can take it and someone else can can resonate with it, and they're able to apply it to their lives in whatever way, you know, like you said, uh, working out or, you know, someone is, you know, working a job and they turn on a little baby and they think they got something to prove at work, you know, like, mm -hmm. however, you know, it, it impacts someone's life. So that's what's dope about it. Yeah, I was, um, I'm glad we asked on this topic because I had this thought and let me just find the album real quick so I know what I'm referencing. Yeah, bro. Um. You know, I was, uh, long story short, I was reading the book and mentioned a hip hop album that I hadn't listened to in a while. And then I kind of just went through the album and it was a uh, Ludacris uh, back for the first time. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I like Ludacris, but you know, I'm Ludacris was kind of before me. So sometimes I still have to go back and like really listen to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and something I really noticed, like, uh, a lot of his songs, and mind you, Ludacris is, like, a Southern dude, a lot of his songs sounded like Negro spirituals. And I know it was, like, we get, we kind of get up, caught up on the songs that, like, make the radio or the club, but, like, you know, fuck these bitches, get this money, whatever, like, those songs, but, like, 
he was really talking about like his struggles, like coming through the South and like same thing, like really working. And I really, you know, being just, you know, black people from the time we got to America to now, like we've always had to look to music to kind of get us through our hardships, you know? And it was, it just kind of just all clicked with me. Like listen to this song and like, it legitly sounded like Negro spirituals. And like, at, you know, we talking about slavery, like that's all they really had to get through the day, you know, like they had like, you know, each other and, the bonds they can make but outside of that they had nothing like they didn't have no vacation they didn't have like workers comp they didn't have like shoot they probably didn't even have a 15 minute break i'd be mad with my hour lunch not enough but being a slave you, you didn't even have a lunch break but all they had was like music and each other and i don't know i i really just feel like i feel like just where i'm at right now like it's nice to go back and reconnect to music and like kind of give me that push I need to like keep doing what I got to do and you know I'm in a better place than a lot of people or especially you know we compare to slavery but you know from my perspective you know I have my challenges I have my struggles and just you know it's nice to just listen to something that can help me get through it you know absolutely absolutely yeah and just to touch on the whole uh Luda sounds like you know Negro spiritual sometimes I think you hit it right on the head um a lot of his music does have that influence. And, you know, Ludacris, he, he had those, um, I don't want to say gimmicky, but he had some, some songs that were more catered to, to, to the radio and things like that. But if you really dive into his album, he's talking about some real shit Facts. on a lot of his songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well said, bro. Um, and you were talking about books. I just want to bring up a book that I just started, actually. Um, It's called Nudge. That's what it it looks like. It's called Nudge. Um, Improving Decisions About Health, Wealth, and Happiness. Um, And one of the things I want to share, I I felt when I was reading it, I thought you were the perfect person to share it with. Um, Let me go to the page real quick. My bad, I'm kind of lagging it a little bit. You good, bro? Um, hey, real quick, shout out to uh, Brookside. I see you repping the shirt. Shout out Brookside, yeah, man. Shout out Brookside. Has all his albums on here. Westside, y'all aren't, man. Y'all aren't familiar with Brookside, Brooksy. Real music. Real music, man. He just dropped a collaborative tape with Trey Woods and Big Ben, Woodside Ben. If y'all follow us on Twitter, you've 100% seen us talk about it. Pasadena Locals, real legends. I cannot find this page right now. But yeah, pretty much, um, basically the gist of it was, it was just talking about um, how we connect our um, shit. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. You good. Drawing a blank. It's episode 1.1. We'll have notes. Yeah, we'll have notes in the next episode. We're going to have an assistant, bro. We're going to have producers, you know what I'm saying? The whole nine. We can get that makeup team. They're going to hit us with that powder. Anywho, whatever. I can't find it. But anywho, the point is, um, yeah, anyway, it just talks about um, how we think. It talks about, like, uh, a lot of psychology and how our brains work. And uh, Uh there's this particular thing. um, It's called System 1 and System 2. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them before. They break it down but, um, system, yeah. So these two systems, they're part of our brain. And system one is, if if 
I'm saying this correctly, is the, it's like the automatic one. It's stuff that is easy to us, things we don't have to think about. So for example, like one plus one, you know, we don't have to think about that. We know it's two, you know? And then system two is something that has to work a little bit harder. So for example, um, maybe a word problem, you know, or maybe um, a difficult multiplication, something that's odd numbers like 13 times 22 or something like that, you know? Um, and the way that these systems work together throughout our lives, like the way that he that talks about them and the way that we use them throughout our lives, I thought it was just really interesting, bro. Um, and I think that that's something that you would not only like because you're a businessman, an aspiring businessman, trying. you know what I'm saying? You're a salesman, you know what I'm saying? Trying, man, trying. You know what I'm saying? You got your shit together, you're on your grown man. Trying, dog, trying. Man, I, 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 when I was reading this, I thought it would be perfect for you, bro. So check it out. It's called Nudge. Okay, I'll, I'll look into that. Um, since we're on the book topic, I just, and I'm on the last chapter, I just read Black Privilege by Charlemagne the God. How was that? I really enjoyed the book. Um, I know Charlemagne has his, his haters. Um, but, you know, I, I, I appreciate Charlemagne. But uh, the book was good. It was kind of almost autobi autobiographical. Dang, that's a word. But anyways, like, he was just talking about, like, his come up and, like, how he was kind of on the wrong side of, like, the law or the tracks, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, as life went on, he had to get more serious about himself and just life because, you know, at some point, like, if he was on the same traje trajectory he was on, he would have been, like, in jail or dead or, you know, just not doing shit in the neighborhood. But it really talked about, like, his struggles and just, like, you know, different principles he lived by to help him make, like, be more successful. Um, and, you know, just kind of, like, dealing with, like, the different influences you're going to get in life, you know, be it people who bring you down, be it people who bring you up, be it people who just want to use you. And his biggest thing was just always, like, being true to yourself. And if anyone knows Charlemagne the God, he is, like, one of the biggest trash talkers in media. And his whole philosophy behind that is like, you know, I'll talk trash, but like, I'm going to be honest about it. And then if you press me about it, I will tell you to your face because I feel like I'm telling you the truth. He doesn't regret trash talking. You know, he'll, he'll joke around and he'll, he said for the most part, he's not trying to hurt people's feelings. He knows he will, but he's saying like, he's just always trying to tell you the truth. And if you, you know, if you get past it hurting, you can like, you know, do better in yourself. But uh, no, it was a really enjoyable book. Um, I would recommend it. Yeah, I think you would appreciate it. And while we're just on the topic, because the book is called Black Privilege, and I know the word privilege has probably been overused the last couple years. And it's, you know, to some people, it's a hot topic. I have no problem talking about it. Right. Um, and then, you know, I think when he dropped the book, originally a lot of people were kind of put off by the title because they were like, oh, black people, we, we don't have privilege and yada, yada. And his whole meaning behind that is, you know, to some degree, as an individual person, you do have some privilege. But what he was really trying to say by black privilege is you got, we got to stop looking at blackness as a handicap. Like, oh, I can't do something because someone else is holding me back. I can't do this because, you know, things in historically have put me at a disadvantage, which are all true. And I'm never going to say they're not true because they are true. 
It's facts. Like he was saying it's more of a mindset that like if you let those things in the past or even the obstacles in front of you like be the reason you're not successful, then you're not going to be successful. Like as as black men, we know the world is against us and you know, shout out black women, the world is also against you. I'm not forgetting you. Um but if you always think like, oh, the world is trying to hold me back and the world is against me and I can't get nowhere because of my blackness, you never will, you know? And he was saying like, you know, it, like I said, it's more about his own personal life, but like, as it goes on, he's saying like, you got to find the advantages of being black. We have a few, you know, like I said, I'm still on the last chapter and that's where he really gets into the black privilege part. But like, while I was just thinking about it, you know, um, automatically just being a black person, like people just perceive us as just being cooler, you know. For sure. You know, I, we can wear almost anything and people are like, damn, that's fly, you know, oh, that's the new trend. Like, you might get roasted here and there, but for the most part, we like, we set trends, you know, we dictate what's music. Um, if you look at black Twitter, black Twitter controls, uh, has a good control of media about like what's popping, what's trending, what's current. So he was Absolutely. just like, find those little things that like, that, like just find the advantages of being black and run with it instead of looking as like oh i'm black you know i'm being held down because then you will be held down so that's kind of like it's kind of so basically it's like don't accept don't accept your fate i guess don't i mean i guess not don't accept the fate i guess it's more of like don't let the fact that there's obstacles in front of you be the reason you don't succeed Got you, got you. Because if you say you won't succeed, then you won't. You not exactly. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always had my eye on that book. Um, I've I'll let wanted you to read it for a while, man. Right. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what else you've been reading, bro. Um, honestly, just that right now. Just nudge. Um. I recently finished. Um, it's called the cost of being african-american in america and it pretty much just talks about um a lot of disadvantages that we're that we're in financially um so you know like for example like um our median income is much lower than you know say our white counterparts um you know we're not born with you know silver spoons tr uh, you know trust funds and things like that so that automatically puts us at a disadvantage. Um, and it just discusses a lot of topics like that, just a lot of um, like wealth gaps and um, how we, we're just not compensated equally pretty much and how um, even if we, even if we try to, you know, create something, yeah, as far as like a business goes, we'll still be at a disadvantage because we're a black face and most of the time people won't invest in black companies and um, just a lot of, a lot of topics like that. So I thought that that was a really interesting book, as you know, that, you know, both of us were into finance um, and it really covers a lot of that. Well, he is it, the author. He like goes to different families and he gets different perspectives from different families on a whole bunch of different situations. So like, for example, if, I don't know, it's like the economy, you know, like right now, the economy pretty much is crashing. He would, yeah. you know, go visit a black home and see, you know, how they're dealing with it, you know, 
and, and how they probably don't have the savings account that, you know, a white family may have um, and how that puts us at a disadvantage um, or how a white family, you know, they may be out of a job too, but they have that savings to fall back on. Um, so just a lot, a lot of things like that. Um, I thought it was a really excellent read. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, the, the black privilege book. Cause you know, um, we're, like you said, we're automatically put at disadvantages. And if we just accept that we're at a disadvantage and don't try to do anything about it, then we're just going to continue the trend. Yeah. yeah. So I'll say just going off that, we definitely have to one acknowledge we do have disadvantages. We do have, but then we got to study them to figure out how to overcome them. Yeah. So yeah. Just from like reading that book. Um, I don't know. I guess for like, what, what do you think is the takeaway that we can do like moving forward to like get out of like our current economic situation as a group of black people. And then I have a, another book we can piggyback on, but I'll let you go first. Um, wait, can you say the question again? Um, what was like the takeaway from that book of what we can do to uplift ourselves financially? Um, for me personally, cause I mean, the author never really states it. He kind of just gives examples. Mm -hmm. Um, cause the author, I, I don't think the author's a, a black, a black man. I think it's, it's, it's a white male. He just kind of um, did the research and was just acknowledging it. Yeah, so he kind of just acknowledged it. He didn't really um, say how it can be, be overcame or okay. overcome because, you know, he's he's not black. So I guess he didn't want to put himself in, in that position to, to say something. But for me personally, for me personally, um, what I th would take away from it really is just more of what kind of piggybacking off what Charlemagne said, like, don't don't accept it and pretty much um use use all our advantages like you said just use our advantages to our advantage <laughs> we gotta figure out what they are but we got them and, there. And, yeah and yeah okay i'll say there was a book i read a while back it was called power uh, powernomics and it was just about like you know uplifting the black community economically and i'll just give you like the short version um, it was just basically saying of like, okay, we just got to like do economics as a group. So like you start a business, um, let's just say you start a clothing store and then you want to keep the money in the black community. Well, then if you have a clothing store, we need a black person or me who has, who does textiles. And then, you know, that way, like you're doing business with me and we're supporting each other's business. And then... From there, you know, it's like, okay, a black um, fashion person buys your clothes, uses that to uplift her platform or her other side store, whatever. And it was just like, like we just got to do business with each other, but we just got to make sure our businesses complement each other. That way, when you need textiles, you don't have to go to someone outside the community that you really don't know versus you can just give it to me or to your cousin or so-and-so and that way the money just trickles back and forth in the black community so it was it was basically like okay we just gotta you know start our businesses and make sure our businesses like in inter a interlock together so we just keep doing business with each other and you know in short yeah yeah that's that's true that's how you get it done yeah that's how other communities have you know 
they've, they've built up their, their, their businesses, you know, um, if you go to, for example, if you go to like San Gabriel or Arcadia, Temple City, something like that, you know, you'll see how, you know, other cultures have built a successful community. You know, they almost make it as if, I want, I want to say this carefully, but they almost make it as if they're promoting just, just them, if that makes sense. No, I, I feel that. And we, we don't have to dance around the topic. Um, we both know we're very tolerant people. And I know it's people get weird talking about race because they don't want to offend. I don't think we're going to do that. But um, as you know, I work in North Hollywood, which is, you know, not too far from Burbank, which is not too far from Glendale, which has a very strong Armenian community. And I will, I will say this. I got a lot of respect for Armenians because, like, they run the town. Every business is them, um, every body shop, grocery store, liquor store, tile places. There's one street, there's nothing but body shops and tile places, and they own all of them. And, you know, there'll be another guy who does the parts, and they'll do business with him. They have their bakery, so they'll have all that. And it's, it's, it's legitly a strong Armenian community out there. And I really respect it because it's all like, you know, one person owns it and then he'll give it to his sons or his cousin. They all work for each other. So, and like I just said, they're keeping all the money in the community. Plus, and this is a big part, you can have your business and you want to support each other. You still want to have other cultures and races do, you know, use your business, do your services. You know, you don't want to exclude people um, in which they, I would say they do a very effective job at. I saw a, a really interesting thing. It was a Hispanic guy who worked at a body shop job he didn't speak english but he spoke spanish and armenian i was very surprised by that i was like damn yeah. so he, he, knew he needed to learn to get, get a job he was like yep i got no armenian yeah i respect that man the hustle the hustle is real very real the hustle is real and and, and that's pretty much what we just have to capitalize on you know because we we're more than capable um you know we have the talent we have the knowledge um you know, so that we just had to take all of that, apply it, use it to our advantage, and we'll get to where we need to be. But it has to start somewhere, bro. So we can we can be the start of it, our generation, because I think we touched on it in our last uh, in our last one in, in episode one. And that lost episode was a gem. Bro. That lost episode that was a gem. I, I wish we could have shared it, but yeah, I think we touched on it. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. Um, um, you saying we got to start it, and I would say, like, I think it is already started, um, you know, as much as, like, we're not happy with the current situation of things, we can't discount, you know, civil rights movements, we can't discount Black Panther movement, we can't, we can't discount, you know, NAACP, all the work, all the groundwork that's been done so far, and I know it's easy to be like, oh, like, we still not where we want to be, and we haven't, you know, nothing's been done, and, you know, I feel like we got to appreciate our elders because trust me, they, they put in the work. They really did. You know, the fact that, you know, I'm at where I'm at, you at where you're at, you know, I'm, I know your mom worked hard, my mom, dad worked hard, our parents worked hard. So just to put us in this position. And I, I think especially as like the youth, even though we're not satisfied, we definitely just can't stop. But we got to also look now for like alternative means to you know empowerment i think I, I remember now what we were talking about 
we were like, okay, so they they set the know, table. Yeah, we all know George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and you know, rest in peace. They like their name was all over social media, and you know, now that it's been a couple weeks to a month now, people are tweeting about them less. And there was a lot of people that are like, oh, no, you can't stop tweeting about them. We got to keep doing this. And I respect that. But I think now as a, a group, we got to think now, like, what's the next step past social media of, like, you know, creating change, be it police brutality, um, you know, f- financial situation. You know, I'm right. always going to bring this up. We always got to bring up homelessness, you know. Always. Black homelessness people. We and, can't and not to cut you off, but uh, the perfect, I think, I think, think you said it uh, but you said like they laid our our ancestors our elders they laid it down for us and now we're the generation that has to take it and really strive and a lot of us are you know we're empowered um we're proud of our blackness and we're really starting to support one another and and we're becoming unified and you said it perfectly. This is a generation where where we strive, so we have to we have to strive, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to cut you off. No, you good. You good. Um. So yeah, I guess it's just coming down to that next step of what we got to do. Um. And that is a tough question. You know, I I would say this, there are, there have been black people who thought, okay, if I want to create change in the police force, I got to join the police force. And I'm sure there's some who've had done some impact. I know there's a lot of people who think, nah, you just joined a corrupt system. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's an idea, you know, but like, what else can we do to create change? And, you know, just small examples, we, we need black, more black judges, lawyers, um you know those positions of power but you know what what else do we need to do you know that's a question for the both of us and to our listeners out there yeah yeah um and and like you said another one that i feel like we don't touch on enough is uh black doctors like healthcare. that's another thing that we need to also take seriously and another profession that we need to get a little more integrated in because no one knows us like we know us, you know, we're going to take care of us how we, you know, want to take care of us. Um, Cause a lot of the times on, on that same thing, we do need more black teachers. We do need teachers also male teachers, Absolutely. Black, but male teachers specifically. And Absolutely. I'll get to that later. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all of that, man, all of that. Those are all great positions. Um, some other areas I mean, we own, we, you know, we're, we're pretty integrated when it comes to food and restaurant industry. I think we've done a great job with that. Um, and yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's room, there's room. I guess it really comes down to, and you know, we're 25, we're getting into our careers. And I guess that's just like, as a, a group, you know, we just, we'll get more into like our careers and we just got to make sure we're like striving for like, top positions, position of power, um, professions where, you know, it is harder, you know. I have a friend, um, she's starting, like, med school, right? And I used to, like, see her, like, Snapchat story, and, like, she would be in the library. She'll go through all her classes, 
and then she will be in the library till like 3 a.m., whatever. And then she'll probably go back to her apartment or dorm and then maybe do some more stuff till like 3, like 4 a.m., whatever, sleep, whatever. And then she back up early for school to be a doctor. And, you know, she's doing it. But the real question is like, who, how many of us are, are down for that grind? You know, and don't get me wrong, like there's all different types of grind, you know, like, you know, I used to play football, you know, I got to where I got to. But I remember when I got to college, like the transition from like high school football to college football was like a whole nother world because it really turned into a job of like, you know, you wake up for school, you go to school, then you go to practice. Now, college football practices even before school, like you up at 5 a.m. to go lift some weights, then go to your class, then go to practice and then a meeting, and then a team activity, and then they're like, oh, yeah, don't forget, you still have homework, but also don't forget, you got to wake up early. Good luck out there. Oh, grind. So, I trust me, I have a lot of respect for, like, college athletes. I didn't, I didn't play college football. I just, you know, had my brief moment trying to give it a try, but I have a lot of respect for people who play college football because it's, it's a job. It's a grind. Yeah, man. Like you said, it, 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 it's a grind, and um, – we have to just be willing to put in the work because a lot of the time, because me, you know, I, I went to college um, and then I, I didn't finish, you know, I wasn't down for the grind. Um, so, yeah, like you said, bro, it's it's dedication. Your homegirl, shout out to her. She's going to be amazing. I just know it. Um, so, yeah, that's beautiful. I got that's another homegirl who's uh, doing it, who did the same grind for the, being a lawyer. So, yeah, black woman, bro, they, they taking over the world. That's beautiful, man. Yep. Yeah, and, the, and um, a friend of ours, I don't want to say his name on the podcast, but a, a homie of ours, he went to, to law school. Um, yep. he, put, he, put, he put in the grind. Um, shout out to him. He's done he a great job. He on the show one time. He's, yeah, he, you know, he, he went ghost for a little bit to do what he had to do. Um, he on social media. He moved cities. I've, all that. I never. I thought I wasn't gonna see him again. He just randomly popped up on Twitter. Like, what up, y'all? Uh, established, established, man. And and you know, we have to be willing to do that. We have to be willing to to, to make the sacrifices to cut out all the bullshit and make it happen, bro. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the best at it, but I know from time to time, like yeah. I'll delete. I'll delete my apps, yeah. <laughs> like Twitter, Instagram, because like they're fun, and you know, I can conversate. I can connect with people, but like. A lot of it, you are just kind of scrolling, refreshing, scrolling, refreshing, and I'm just not getting shit done. So sometimes, sometimes I'll have to like delete it, you know, especially when I'm at like at work or like, you know, when I'm trying to do other stuff. Because one thing I really realized about being an adult, like work is your job, your nine to five is just like one thing. That's just like a small part of your grind. The real grind is when you're not at work, the work you have to do. And that's the killer. Right. Otherwise, you'll just be at your job forever. But, you know, we're, we're, we're striving for greatness out here. Yeah, bro. Exactly. Like, even like this podcast, you know, I almost I almost was going to text you and be like, hey, bro, we're going to do it tomorrow, man, because I, I, I'm beat. But, yeah, man, that, that, that nine to five, it catches up to you, bro. And it's easy to get into that cycle of work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep. Okay, it's the weekend. Okay, work sleep you know so that cycle will drive you crazy bro it'll kill you bro it'll kill you 
So it's yeah. important to, you know, work out. It's important to, to read. It's important to, you know, if you like to, to do art, go paint, you know, whatever your thing is, you know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a business. Cause um, a, a lot of what I see nowadays is people say like, if you're, if you're doing something, you know, turn it into a hustle, you got to hustle, you know? And it's like, no, sometimes you can just do something for a hobby, you know? Um, so even if you just find a hobby, you know, something that's constructive, those a constructive hobby, um, then, then do that, you know, just something to get you out of the, the nine to five cycle. Okay. Real, we, we, we got to talk about hustle culture, but I was about to say something about hustle culture. I, I, I think I forgot. Oh yeah. What I was going to say was like, what inspired me just to even do this podcast was like the feeling that I wasn't doing enough. Like I go to work and trust me, I work hard. I'm trying to progress in my career, but like when I'm not at work, I was like, you're doing a great job, bro. Thank you, bro. But I'm like, what, what the, what am I really doing? Cause like, you know, like I said, I'm striving for greatness. I'm trying to like get as high as I can get. And I was like, okay, like just that like nine to five ain't going to be enough. So then I thought, okay, like, you know, I trust me, I have no expectations for this podcast. Like, I don't, I don't know if we're going to make money off this, but just like knowing that like we're having this important, these important conversations made me know I'm doing something constructive. Like, be it just like working on like communicating or just exchanging ideas. I feel like I'm achieving something right now. So, you know, that was just the whole inspiration about this podcast. And like, I know we, we're like-minded individuals. So you were just like the, the first and only pick I knew for this show. So here we are, the Mike and Hassan show. But, uh, <laughs> let's talk now. Let's talk about this as much as we are on our grind and that like, it's good to be on a grind. Let's talk about hustle culture. Let's talk about LLC Twitter. The, 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 oh, you don't need sleep. The like, yo, man, you only need two hours of sleep. If you not, you ain't getting it, bro. If you not up until 5 a.m. and waking up at 6 a.m., you not grinding, bro. Yeah. You not hungry. That, yeah. that, that culture. And like, uh, I'll let you go first, but where do you think, like, what, what is that? What is that? I don't know. Like those, those kind of people. I, and again, I, I don't mean to offend anyone, but those kind of people, I'm, I'm almost worried because it's like, it's, it's like, are you really, are you really grinding as much as you say you do, or are you just trying to convince us that you're grinding? Are, are you trying to convince yourself that you're grinding? I'll, like, I'll say, I'll say this real quick. There are times I do tweet of like how hard I'm working, and it's, I guess, like a little bit is to brag but a little bit of it is to also push myself that like, okay, like, yeah, I'm really out here. I'm putting the work in. And then like, you know, it, it gives you a little confidence boost. Cause like, you know, most of the time when you are grinding, you're by yourself. You don't have that, that pat on the back. You don't have that encouragement of you got it. You can do it. You gotta motivate yourself. You got to motivate yourself. And I would say, you know, those tweets, even though other people see it, you know, it does kind of motivate me a little bit. I can't speak for everybody, but when I'm saying like, yeah, I'm out here grinding. I don't know if you can see my hands. I'm out here grinding, you know, like it, it gets me going. Yeah, bro. And I mean, that could be the case for, for others too, or maybe, you know, it could be people trying to motivate others saying, you know, if I can do it, you can do it too type of thing. You know, it, it could be many things. Um, but yeah, like the people that kind of, but the but the people, the people that overdo it though, bro. 
that's 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 where it's like okay you, you gotta chill bro yeah i i i thought i thought about this too like as much as it is good for us to like start our own business i do think some of that mindset of like you always gotta be grinding if you ain't starting your own business you ain't doing enough like i think a lot of that comes from a place of arrogance as well and we're talking about just twitter culture because like you know and this is through like you know reading and listening to different things and like something that really stuck with me was like it's okay to work for somebody like you know you can truly like learn something you can get skills you can build connections and at some point we can't all be business owners because we do need employees we do need to like go to other people's business we can't just be like we can't have 50 um I don't know. We can't have like 50,000. I can't even think of a business right now. We can't have 50,000 clothing stores in just one small city. Like at some point people got to work for each other. You know, we can't be all just, uh, you'll learn something and it's whatever. Like there's not, there's no shame in working for somebody. And I think a lot of that where people are on this extreme grind, I think a lot of it is because like, people have seen bad bosses. Like they've seen bosses who've like abused their employees or, you know, people who are underpaid. And I think that gives people a sense of financial insecurity. And they think, okay, the only way I cannot be a slave to somebody is I got to start my own business. And, you know, if you have a bad boss, then maybe you do need to leave and do your own thing. But like, I have been blessed at my current job and I've been moved around promoted i've had great managers i've had subpar managers and i've had some bad manager experiences and even in those bad ones i think i learned the most yeah yeah for sure like when you see like a dysfunctional situation of how you're not supposed to treat employees how you're not supposed to like not saying like they were terrible you know because we did get our job done but then you you have that you know let's say let's just say average manager and then you see a great manager and you can really, you can understand what they do differently and you can understand it better. So I'm in a position now, I have like a really good manager who's like super organized, super prepared. And it made me realize, damn, I got to step my shit up because I need to be that organized and prepared. But at the same time, while he's super organized and prepared, I've noticed he does, he might lack in like a, you know, not necessarily like people skills, but he's not as flexible with, with people. Whereas maybe those other managers who maybe they weren't as organized, they were great with people. So I'm really trying to like take the good from both of them and put it together. And I can only learn that from working for somebody. And then eventually learning that I can go start my own thing and I'll have that sense of confidence. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a, a common misconception with starting a business is people think it's easy. Or not easy, but people think it's easier than it really is. R- owning and running a business, it it it's gonna consume pretty much all your like most of your life. You like you're gonna have to be on that extreme, extreme grind that you that you talk about, you know. Um, and yeah, like you said, bro, you got to be able to 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 have the working experience to know how to, you know, create a working environment where people are going to want to work for you. And also you're going to have to know what you want to look for when you start, when you start hiring people, you know, um, whether you 
you know, whether you've learned from yourself, you know, you might have been the guy at work that was like a slacker or whatever. I and, was that slacker. You know, or you, you, you know, you might be the guy who is uh, the manager who takes their job too seriously. You know, the person who, who thinks that they're, that thinks they're the business owner, you know, like you just have to be able to, right. You know, you just have to be able to, 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 to gauge that. And the only way that you can gauge that is from getting the experience that you was talking about, bro. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, but yeah, I mean, no wrong. It's, it's always good to like strive for a business, but I do think just in like watching Twitter culture, there are people who are shaming other people, you know, it's almost like a competition of who can outgrind each other, who can start their business faster. And like, don't wrong, we should do these things, but like, there's no shame in working for somebody as long as you are moving forward. Um, we all don't have to be a business owner. Like, think about this, like you can start a small business and now you're making, let's just say, let's just say a hundred K a year, but there's some software designer who works for somebody who makes in a million a year, who's more successful. Right. You know, so it really, it's all, you know, it's all, you know, relative, but you know, we, we got to strive for things, but also I feel like we can't shame the nine to five because we all got to start somewhere. Well said. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Like, and I, I think a lot of the people in the audience can experience this. They've had some like bad managers and maybe that's kind of where people are like, man, I don't want to work for nobody, this and that. And it really, it, you know, I remember once, I had a manager and by the way, she was a good manager, but there was something a customer did and I was the one interacting with the customer. And instead of getting mad at the customer, she got mad at me. Like it was my fault what the customer did. And I, 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 I'm real. I took it personal because I knew not, and not trying to like divert blame. Like it wasn't me. It was the customer, but she put her anger at me. And, you know, I try to calm down. I try to calm down. And then, like, I texted her maybe, like, an hour or two after leaving work. And I was like, hey, I felt like you're angry at the customer and not me. I feel like that was disrespectful. And well, the other way around, you mean, right? Huh? The other way around? That, that she was mad at you? He was mad at the customer. She, I was telling her, like, your anger was mad. You were mad at the customer, but you directed it towards me. Got you. And I told her that was disrespectful. And I told her, like, hey, if you can't manage your anger towards other people, I won't work for you. Like, I won't be here. And I was dead serious. Like, I was like, you know, I kind of knew, like, we can work it out. But, like, I let her know moving forward, if, like, you're going to just get mad at, like, use me as a punching bag, I will quit. You know, and I think a lot of people, you know, one, you have bad managers who take their aggression and their tension out on their employees. And then you have employees like, well, I need a job. I need to survive. I can't just... Bad talk, I can't just, you know, talk back to them or I can't just quit. I think I was in a better situation where I felt comfortable back talking and willing to quit. But, you know, it does start where like we, as you know, I, I, by the way, right now I am a manager. So I can say this as like a manager, if you're leading people, you have to treat people better. You know, I, I think a lot of people get in like positions of power and it just becomes an ego trip for them. Like I can just treat people however I want. And I actually read this in a Charlemagne's book. He was working on the Wendy Williams show. And I guess Wendy Williams' husband is also like a producer on the show. And they had an assistant and they treated her terribly. 
And like one time, like Charmaine asked him, like, yo, why are you guys so mean to her? And the dude was like, oh, I just like to fuck with her. You know, it's just fun. She just, she just lets me talk to her anyway. And he thought that was funny. And like, just reading that, I was like really mad. So like, you have a good employee who's very nice. And just because she lets you talk to her anyway, you're going to do it. That says more about you than it does her. Cause she's trying to keep a job. She's trying to move up in her career. You're in a position of power and you're treating her bad for your own shits and giggles. And that's fucked up. So, you know, there's a lot about who they are. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, that's, you know, I always, you know, I thought this through, like there's such a thing as being a boss and there's such a thing as being a leader. There's a lot of people who want to be a boss, but they don't know how to be a leader. So we need leaders out here, not bosses. I'm with you on that, bro. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, on that note, um, I think we should wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right. The real episode on one. one. The the episode one point one. Um hope y'all tune in for, for episode two. And yep. all right, salute. Mike out. Peace. Hassan out. All right. <laughs>